What is up, Hockey IQ listeners? I'm here to chat about our newest sponsor, Sensorina. Your brain is one of the most important parts of your body. Why not invest in a tool that allows you to train it? With Sensorina, athletes can gain a competitive edge using VR training. Players are able to go through a scenario thousands of times without having to step foot on the ice. No more waiting around for puck touches or perfect scenarios. Sensorina can enhance reaction time, decision-making, and multitasking abilities, making you the next MVP. I mean, if the LA Kings are using it, it's got to be good. With our promo code HockeyIQ, you receive $50 off an annual plan purchase. Head on over to Sensorina.com to check it all out. On the Hockey IQ podcast today, we bring on the TCS legend, Dan Errol. Uh, Dan, great to have you. It seems like you and I just dominate on the coach's site uh, with our beautiful articles, screw bag skates. You've got three great drills for passing. Like It's great for us to connect. I feel like you and I are basically twins, just in completely different time zones. I feel exactly the same way. I'm really excited to be on, but no, I, I read your stuff constantly. Uh, I love it. I, I do honestly feel like we share so many of the same values and uh, thought process around coaching. So I think it's really, it's great to know that I'm not alone. <laughs> you're not alone. You're, you're in this, you know, we're in this together. It's great. Um, you and I are big on practice design. Like I, I cannot stand rope drills where we have kids just standing in line and going again and again and again. And I just, you know, ran a practice this evening. So I'm jazz talk practice structure. Um, I know that you're awesome at it. Um, I've got like high school kids, so I'm probably on the upper end of it. Uh, I've done some stuff down to like squirts, but not much beyond that. And really I don't have the hours. Meanwhile, you over here, uh, have been there for many years, program director, hockey director, coach, your kids have gone through it. Um, let's start with the youngest ages and, and maybe build our way up. I mean, obviously there's gonna be some similarities, but, uh, for you, like, how do you like to go about structuring and building out your practices? So, you know, there's not a lot of change to the structure over the age groups for me. Um, and I've done, I've coached, uh, I started in 16U and just in assistant coaching. That's kind of where I started to learn coaching. And then I went all the way back down to six and eight. And, you know, for me, it's about getting the kids. And I don't like the, I don't like to use the word repetition too lightly because I think people sometimes use it wrong, but it's getting them into a, a drill where they can go as much as possible and experience that drill more than once or twice. So, it's um, at the at the eight U level. I would actually break a half ice section of ice into six stations, which is a lot on half ice. But when they're that small, and you're getting you know maybe maybe three or so kids in each of those six stations, they're getting tons of puck touches. They're just and at that age, you're not structuring much of a you're not teaching them systems. You're not teaching them a power play. You just want them to get comfortable on their skates. You want them to be comfortable with the puck. Uh, a little bit of body contact and how to get up when they fall. Uh, and so I think from there, like every sort of age group, maybe the stations become fewer. Like I run two to three uh, on a, a sheet now. So in San Diego, I don't, I only get two half ice practices a week. I am very, it's very rare. I get a full sheet. 
And so I've got a team of 15 skaters and two goalies. We get half ice. So I've got to work in all those different things and keep the lines down. So if I do three stations, I can break into three groups of five and I can have a skating station. I can have a battle station. I can have a defensive station. We can mix it up and throw a passing station in there. Uh, but, you know, I spent a lot of time kind of creating what those practices look like. So you had one tonight. I had one last night. Uh, last night, I knew we needed to work on cycling the puck better. We need to work on catching and receiving passes in motion better. And I wanted to work on our breakout. And so, like, how do you build that into a half ice practice? And so you start coming down with, you know, different structures. So I actually took, uh, for anybody that was at TCS Live uh, last year or had watched the videos, um, Colin, whose name I, last name I cannot uh, pronounce from Germany, ran that great drill where he had like the four cones and you're kind of figure eighting and accepting passes and, and, and uh, receiving them. And I just put that into a small station on the ice. On the other side, we had our goalie. Uh, we only had one come last night because illness is running through our team right now. And uh, we Same worked here. on a drill. We worked on a drill that you know cycled the puck and got them you know how to get that puck towards the net without just throwing it away. Uh, because you know part of structuring your practice and all of that is evaluating who your team is as well. And what my team is right now, we dump the puck in front of the net hoping for something, and then we're going the other way because it wasn't a great opportunity. Like the kids are just in that mindset of get it to the front, but there's either nobody in front or there's too many people in front. And we lose, so we have one shot, we lose possession, and then we're playing defense. And so we're working on building that confidence to hold the puck down low, to cycle, to move it to that player on the boards or to move it up to the point. Uh, and we have to structure our practice to do that with half ice because I'd rather have five people in that drill learning it at once than three in the drill, seven waiting in line. And I don't think I've coached a little bit of high school. I did some JV last year to help out. Their attention span was no different than my 12U team. When they had to wait in any sort of line, suddenly I'm watching snow fly in the air. I'm watching everyone try to pick up the puck and do a Michigan. No one's watching what the actual drill is anymore. And so when it's their turn, they're 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 like, wait, what am I doing? Or they try to go in and do what they think they're doing. Uh, attention spans from 8U all the way to high school, I have found, aren't that dissimilar. Uh, they just get distracted by other things. <laughs> yeah, and it's like... The, the working memory is slightly better um, and, and the emotional, you know, ups and downs are probably similar, just uh, may, maybe a little more uh, snooty with the older kids. <laughs> yes. The older kids tend to give me a little more crap, uh, which is always fun. Like they they tend to fight back a little harder where like, if I have a younger kid goofing off and I use a stern voice, they kind of, shape up and they can they, they sit up and they listen i do it to a high school kid and he's like who the hell are you <laughs> uh, my favorite is making uh someone screw something like you mess up the drill and it's like you know not you screwed up the drill because it's really hard and all this it's like you didn't pay attention like high school kids hate absolutely hate um somersaults you, you do that for eight you like they're screwing up on purpose because they want to do somersaults <laughs> <laughs> completely different there yeah. And, you know, like I, I was, um, I was, when we were setting up our practice yesterday, I saw some kids that were running late getting ready. And I was like, oh, if these kids are late, 
I'm going to, I got to, what am I going to do? What, how am I going to like show them not to be late? And you and I very much agree on this whole bag skate uh, philosophy. And the problem with bag skating, if you never do them and you, and you use the philosophy that skating should always be fun. I threatened to bag skate them and they were excited because they were, they wanted to skate. I was like, I was like, you, I was, they had one player missing and they could see him kind of coming from the rink. And he had like, he had two minutes, but they seemed to think he only had like 30 seconds and they're yelling at him to come. And I'm like, I was like, they were like, what's going to happen if he's late? And I said, I'm bag skating you. And they went, yes. And I was like, well, the bonus is they love skating. And so I can't use it as a punishment, which is great because you need to love skating to play hockey. But I was like, crap, how many, <laughs> I got, I got nothing here. Uh, I tell them to do push-ups on the ice and they all, they all smile, laugh and, and jump into it and, and push each other to do push-ups. And I love the fact that like, you can, you can do so much with hockey that like, is fun that you can't even punish kids because they just want to be on the ice. Uh, the somersaults. That's a good one. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's fantastic. By the way, it's uh Carl Schwarzenbrunner. Yeah. Good, yeah. And sure. then you add the, add the, you know, German accent and it'll, come out much better well that's carl uh you know it's colin yeah. and carl 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 I, I, I screwed up half the time yeah, he's been on this podcast <laughs> so that's that's the only reason i got it right once once uh but yeah he's got great philosophies um I, I find that there's a lot of people who don't have a traditional hockey background but do fantastic work and it, it just consistently reminds me it's not what we coach it's a lot of how we go about coaching that really makes the difference and i, I think that's where a lot of people screwed up it's like i played hockey i know hockey and it's like okay it's great to know hockey but it's better to know how to actually teach the game teach the systems teach the skills whatever it is rather than just knowing like i, I always find it hilarious and i know you have this with the little kids they're like they come up and i know all of these things and you, they just list off a bunch of names and then they don't know anything about that i'm like knowing a name of something and actually knowing something are two completely different things yep oh i set up but i set up a drill last night and it was a new drill we hadn't run before because we just it was the end of the practice i put two nets together at the middle of the ice and it looks like a regular drill and these kids just skated off and lined up and i look at so what are you guys doing the drill I haven't told you the drill yet. And they were like, oh, and I was like, here we are, assuming we know everything. <laughs> I had to pull them in and, and re-explain what we we're doing. Uh, but no, you're right. I, I mean, I always bring up Wayne Gretzky. I mean, got best player to ever play the game. Couldn't coach a team to save his life. He did not last very long as a hockey coach. No, it was not for him. It and was then- not for him, but it's it's like you were saying he knows how to do it all but does he know how to teach it all yeah shanahan mentioned like how he learned his shot was not from like any of the well-known players he was with and i always forget the name but he's like yeah it was a guy who was on the fourth line and sometimes got scratched he just had more time to be able to like actually teach me that's where i found and figured out my shot which was my rookie year in the nhl like uh, (laughs) that's amazing um and then like you look at all the successful coaches most of them barely snuck in playing like they all had really hard times like finding themselves into a lineup very rarely do we get marty st louis of the world uh who are you know superstars who can go back and coach but he was also like best buddies with roger griot and 
some USA hockey guys along the way. So he's been fed good stuff for literally think of this, But look where he went back to coach. Pee-wee's when he was done, he went back and coached Pee-wee. So he had actually probably, that was probably a really beneficial time because that's where you really have to, like, I would imagine coaching at the NHL feels a little bit different when you have people that have already gone through the entire process. So you're, you're like, you're fine tuning skills. You're helping them build on skill. Go back to Pee Wee and start teaching these people from scratch. Because you get Pee, I get Pee Wee's on the ice that literally can't lift the puck yet, and you're teaching them that shot from the beginning. You're not teaching a, an NHL player how to lift a puck. So yeah, not at all. You're 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 at that point where you you at at that level you have to be able to teach those fine tuning. How are you going to put that puck in the net? How are you going to create space? How are you going to do all these things with that? go back and coach those those kids you have to start from the very bottom you have to break down the shot you have to break down a stride and how to use your edges that probably helped make marty a much better coach pretty quickly because you're not cutting any corners there no and you know when we had him on here you know, he talked about the fact like he knew a lot of this stuff but it's not a matter of what he knows it's what do the players know and getting to the point of like we all go through it, you know, the, the the yelling, then the telling, and then finally we figure out, ah, maybe I should ask some questions, like some, <laughs> some light bulbs go on, like challenge them to actually think, because you know, obviously people are naturally lazy, uh, in, in their uh, static state. So it's like you got to figure out ways to get those light bulbs going on. And there's a player in my team that uh, the, the joke is, and I hope he's not listening here, is like <laughs> kind of a space cadet, like he's just out there, and he's like, oh yeah, I gotta. You know, like space is out for a hot second. Um, but it's it's amazing. Like he started to come around in the last month. Like I see the light bulbs. Like I ask him questions and he's like, oh yeah, I got, and, like he's got an answer. He's ready. Like he still has his moments. I mean, he, he, Rome wasn't, wasn't built in a day, but <laughs> like it, it may take more time, but it is way more valuable. And I find kids these days, um, not, now that I've been doing this for a decade plus, um, at the high school level, at least uh, a little bit on the other stuff, but like, it, it seems like just a little bit more each year, the kids are like, they don't have that freedom. They don't have that, um, efficacy of just like going and doing it, that assertiveness, like trying things out and testing it. You know, like they've been told what to do their entire lives. Their entire lives have been very much structured. There's no like going out on the pond or going out on the playground and messing around. So a lot of times they're like waiting for you to tell them exactly what to do at all times. Um, and I find it to be our challenge um, as they're growing into to young adults of giving them that space to screw up and fail. Like when they don't understand the drill completely, I, I just step back and be like, ask your teammates. There's a few of you in here that are doing this absolutely perfect and like get them trying to like work together, pay attention, all know the details of this and not just come to the rescue right away. Like let them struggle. And uh, it's nice when you don't have parents watching the practice, you know, one's questioning it, but uh, that like, would be wonderful. Valuable. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. You know, one question I love to ask at practice when the drill sort of falls apart is I ask the group, like what went wrong there? Instead of me just coming in and being like, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? Why? Like I will ask the group right there. Like, okay, that drill didn't, that just didn't work. What went wrong there? And let someone speak up and say, well, he turned his back to the puck. And so when the pass came, he didn't see it. Or 
you know, he should have taken that puck low and tried to turn at the blue line and lost possession. Uh, I love asking them to highlight where the problem was because then that gives them more. If I just tell them, hey, you turned it over at the blue line, most of them aren't going to hear that or understand what that means. But if they're telling me what happened in their own words, they're learning. And so, you know, you talked about like that, that, that structure and kids being told what to do. I also try to remove so much of that from the drills I'm setting up where, you know, I, I said earlier, I don't like the word repetition too much because so many people use it as like, skate to that cone, stop, skate to that cone, stop, do this, do that. And if you do that 50 times, you're going to become really good at it. I don't want my drills to teach them in that way. Like all of my drills are very open-ended. They know where to start. They know there's a limitation or two, and then they know the end goal. Everything they do in between to achieve that is up to them. Uh, if it's, all right, you have to score, but to do that, you actually have to pass to the coach up high. He'll pass back to one of your teams. So if it's like a two on two or a three on two, but you have to generate this, how you get the puck there, that's on you. How you get to the puck to the net, that's on you. The constraints are, here's the area I'm giving you to play in. Here's how many opponents you have. And then here's the one thing you have to accomplish before you're allowed to score. And it sort of forces them every time they run the drill, it's different. Because you can't go down low, go up the boards, make a pass to the coach, get it back and score, and then expect it to happen again without defense knowing what you're going to do. And so now they're going to try to put pressure there. So you're forced to like all of a sudden start using all different aspects of the ice every time you go. So if I can get you to go eight times in a single station, that repetition you're getting is just the repetition of that thought. How do I get the puck here? And then how do I get it back to the net? You're not thinking about a, B, C, and like skating to all these little pre-mapped areas. You've, you've given them that freedom to do what they want. And then when they can't get it to me, that's when I can stop the drill and say, hey, what went wrong? Who can speak up and tell me what happened here? And that's when the people, they start to, they start to realize the mistakes themselves. And you kind of take yourself out of the equation. And they that's become the their best, best, their best coach. I mean, it's the best thing right. ever. Where they're yeah. starting to self-correct and they're getting that understanding of the game. Cause at the end of the day, we, we can't shoot the puck for them. Like they're, they have to make the decisions on the ice. Um, and I loved how you talked about it. Like it was almost like closed activities and open activities, kind of like the questions, like yeah, closed questions and your open questions. Obviously the open questions are way more effective and better. Like we always talk about that and any kind of situation where, you know, people are asking about like, you're talking about how do we do better questioning? So I love like, that's the idea is like, okay, here's the end goal. Here's maybe some constraints to live inside of this uh, environment, figure out how to accomplish that. How wonderful is that? Like you're, you're starting to go from being told what to do and just doing it almost like mindlessly sort of to like now being able to be creative, being able to find different solutions. And there, there are times obviously where we need to step in and maybe give them some ideas. Like, Right now I'm working with my team of like, maybe we should add some touch. You know, we don't have to just shoot the puck as hard as possible at our players. Like that, that I, I have a running theory on my team that we just pass the puck way too hard. Like their entire youth hockey trajectory has been someone saying tape hard tape to tape passes. And I'm like, this has been screwing them up because they can't see space. They only see direct passing lanes. They don't very yeah. rarely do they put, pucks into space and then skate into it or like, Oh, my teammate's going to get there first. I'll just pop it into the corner and then we'll go to offense. Like I, I find that, you know, sometimes you need to add some suggestions or like the pass behind your player off the 
ball off the wall and it like shoots in right in front of them to their stick. Like, you know, these are the things players don't normally think about, but we can give them ideas, but not giving them and shoving. These are the answers. This is the answer you got to use. You know, like there's obviously the rule of thumbs, like accelerating the puck touches, finding the high guy on the rush, like all of these little details, but you know, it's not, here's what you need to do. Here's what you need to do. Cause there are opponents there and they're not always doing the same thing. I have got players that like, will just randomly chuck pucks to areas. Like my player's supposed to be there. I'm like, this is, this is hockey. (laughs) Like, and it's not the NHL, no offense here. Like even in the NHL, like those guys verify before they do a lot of these things. It's not just chuck it to space. Like you can't just throw it there and expect it and blame the other dude. Like, no, you need some ownership. Yeah. If you know, if I'm not seeing something in a drill, sometimes like, uh, you know, I maybe have a battle along the boards. I need the player to kind of peel off. And every time they're doing it, I'm watching. If I have a player in there that I know can do like a really good spin off the boards, I may like while the drill's happening, I'm and he's in line, I may skate over and be like, whisper into his ear, like, take it down low. And then when they come up to you, I want you to spin towards me, do a complete spin out, and then go towards that and shoot. And then they'll go and do it. So it will look unprompted to anybody else watching they'll see the player go in and also make this great move crush the defense get a shot on net and then i'll stop it and i won't even take credit what i'll say is did you guys just see what you know john just did he got to the board and then he saw the player was coming up on his left side so he spun right hard and came off and then i'll start building just to give them the idea that like you know you don't have to just do one or the other like there's something i'm looking for i'll just give the answer up to one kid so they all witness it happen without me saying, why don't we try this and, and show them how to do it? Why don't you watch your peer do it? It looks supernatural. And then suddenly like that suddenly in that next round, I've got everyone trying to do something like that. And now they're all pushing themselves to try a, a little out of their comfort zone. They realize after two or three, every defensive player knows they're doing it. So they have to try something different. And now they're getting creative. Right? Like sometimes it just kickstarts creativity where they'll try something different and once they realize you know if you're coaching them in a position where if they screw up all you're doing is stopping and asking what went wrong you're not chastising them and you're not saying like what you're not you know screaming what are you doing you're not saying like you did that wrong you're just opening it up they are they are so much more willing to take risks and make mistakes because the thing i say the most is like i want you to make all your mistakes here at practice because you're gonna you're gonna make mistakes in games but if you make a ton of practice and learn from them, you're going to make fewer in that game. The learning from and them being the specific piece, right? Like, like specific, th- yeah. there will always be mistakes where hopefully the mistakes are better each time. Right. And, you know, I, I tell them all the time, hockey is a game of mistakes. Look at the NHL, like the number of mistakes they make when they're trying to make plays. The teams that know how to recover from them, but the teams that know how to capitalize on the other. So I said, you know, it's, it's about, uh, I, I have a player now that makes a mistake and you can see this, the, the drive stops immediately. The arms drop, the head drops, or the, or they look up towards the sky really fast. And like, you got to let that go. Yeah, you, you missed a shot. Go pick up the puck again. Go skate through it. You're not, like, you can't, if they come to the bench and I yell at them because they missed a shot, guess what they're going to be afraid of doing from now on? It's taking a shot. Um, so you've got you've got to spur creativity, but then they have to they have to feel that they're allowed to screw it up, um, and then it's up to us to make sure they learn from it. Yeah, so like the, the psychology, right? Like 
like we obviously need a safe environment for the players physically, but also that mental safe environment where it's okay to try things. And it's not, we're going to try to dangle this, you know, the defense in every single time. If it's three on one, we're dangling defense one on one, we're trying to dangle one on two. We're trying, it's not that kind of stuff, but like the ability to attempt things, you know, and even just like you said, like kind of like that challenge, like you, you challenge either within the activity, within the drill, or even within the game, like, all right, I want to see at least, you know, two delays on zone entries today. You know, that's that's your goals. Like, how can I set up the defenseman to delay? Or how can I pull the defenseman across the ice to open a lane for someone else to go into? And just those, like, little, little personal challenges. I, I love that. Um, I do that all the time with players of, like, all right, you're a little more advanced than maybe the drill, so you can really think and really, you know, toy with this. What do you think about trying this? Or, like... You can't do this. Take away their best asset. You know, they, they're the fastest player on the team. They just want to go wide and try to be, all right, you can't go wide. What do you do now? Love that. Yeah, no, I've got, I've got two kids that are really, their, their, their minds are driven towards really the stick handling. Like they, they're just, they love like to, you know, pull up between their legs. They love to try to move that puck to different areas of the ice while they're skating and they have the talent for it. And so what I will do, especially in, they're a little hesitant to try it much in games because they don't want to lose it, cause that turnover. And it's because they're uncomfortable with it. But I watched them do it in practice with such confidence that I think they could actually create something with it if they did it at the right time. And so I'll do the same at, at a practice. I'll say, all right, you're getting, you're nailing this drill. Now you can't take a shot until you pull that puck between your legs. And they're like, what? I'm like, you got to pull it off. And they'll go down and I'll try it and they'll hit the back of their skate and I'm like, oh, I'll come back and get in line and they'll go again. And then suddenly, a couple times in, they're nailing it. They're coming out at full speed. They're pulling it between. And even if they don't do it in the next game, which I don't expect them to, they have that confidence that they're better with the puck than they were. And like that, it just builds up. The, the more comfortable they feel, and so you like, I love the idea of like challenging players to to try those things um, because. I've got players that do it all the time at practice and never in games. But what they do in games is a reflection of what they can do in practice because they're, they're learning that limitation. I like, I got 2D coming at me. I'm not going to pull it between my legs because one of them is going to pick it up. But I know I'm really good with this puck. So I can actually take it wide, protect it, and then make that pass. I can do that button hook turn here. And I know that puck's going to be safe on my stick because I feel that level of confidence with it. And that's built through them knowing that they can do all these other things. I think you've covered all the technical stuff. I got nothing to add. That was brilliant. <laughs> um, from the tactical side, though, like like we we work on breakouts at the high school level, right? Where we're doing like half ice stuff. I, I run a drill where it's uh, depending on on where we start. We'll start with one level of pressure, then it'll be two players of pressure, then three, four, five, and we'll just build up and you know we'll make it work for you know our abilities and where we are. But you know, like with what are the details? Like before we run this, okay, what are the centers thinking about? Low and slow. Okay, so he's low and slow. So how can the strong side winger help the center be low? Oh, I got to be higher. All right, so they're going to be closer to the blue line. Okay, yeah, yeah. So then what's what's the strong side or uh, weak side winger going to do to make sure he supports what's going on? Oh, they're going to they're slash out and be the, the stretch option. Good, all right. Now we've got our one, two, three, and then let them roll um, and like build tactics into the activity. You know, it's still going to be random. I'm not saying you got to go here, then here, then there. Like, yeah. it's open architecture. But now we've got some general concepts and principles that will help us have more success. Uh, I find that to be extremely impactful. 
Yeah. I, so we've been working on the breakout. I mean, breakout's probably one that we run every practice because it just can always be smoother, can always be cleaner. Um, and, you know, we are very similar. Like we started with um, five on O. Like you're going to break this out clean. You have no pressure at all. You just, you know what to do with the puck. But uh, before we even added pressure, what we would do is we'd always set it to one of the corners. Players would skate in, they'd make the D to D pass. It would hit like either the center or the, the wing coming up and they'd come out. And then, so we'd get, we actually would lull them into the sense of like, I've got this. And all of a sudden, next time they go, I put it on the half board. And I'm all the way down. And suddenly they're like, what am I supposed to do with this thing? And I'm like, do you guys think in a game, every single puck ends up in the corners perfectly? That puck's going to wind up in the weirdest places. You've got to get it out of our zone. And then once and once they realize, like, okay, I'm going to grab it here. I can take it here. Because their first thought is always to go back behind the net. So they'll pick it up. They're closer to the blue line. And they will go all the way back behind the net, make a robotic D to D pass, and then start the breakout. And I'll let them kind of have that a couple of times. And then I'll say, I'll stop them and say, hey, what's a fashion way to get that puck out? Do we always need to bring it behind the net? And then a couple of kids will be like, well, well, no. Okay, well, should if the puck's at the if halfway down the ice, do I need the center going all the way down to the goal line to, to make a, a hook out? Well, no. Well, then why are you going down there? And then they start to kind of piece together. And then we add that pressure like you're talking about. You know, you add maybe two more players. Uh, you start adding three, and then you start doing the same thing. You make it seem kind of easy, and then you start throwing in those different variables that they're not prepared for. And before you know it, they're actually starting to just adapt. I can't make that pass because that player is over there and he's covered. Well, my winger's right here. Yeah, that's not how he ran the drill like last time, but he's right there and open and skating out. Hits them with the puck. They get praised by us as coaches for reading it. And then the rest of the kids see it. And then suddenly it starts becoming, oh, I don't have to do one, two, three, four passes. Sometimes the breakout is two passes. Sometimes the breakout is the first pass. Like it starts to look so much different and you just have to, you're throwing in player constraints, but also you're just mixing it up because I watch other teams sometimes. And I do watch that same breakout every, every time it starts behind the net, every time it starts in the corner. And then you watch those teams play a game and they don't know what to do when that puck isn't where it's supposed to be. But you've probably played long enough to know the puck's never where it's supposed to be. <laughs> I mean, the waiting's always different. Like some people love hard drafts and people like a soft and you never know. It could be, it, the, the, I love that you're putting pucks in weird spots. Like one of my things is I never like to give good passes to any kind of like start of a drill. And I, I try to remove myself completely, but if I ever have to like throw a puck in, like I'm always giving a crappy puck or it yeah. like a pucks in your feet or it's a wobbly one into the corner. And like, you got to turn a bad puck into a decent puck where you got to figure out like, Oh, maybe I'm not always going to get a puck into my wheelhouse. I find that to be with freshmen. Like, why isn't it perfectly in my wheelhouse? I'm like, do you know the game of hockey? Like, <laughs> the other team's trying to make sure you don't do that. Like, you usually have to, like, throw it into a terrible area, maybe a little bit of touch, you know, softer than just a really hard tape-to-tape pass. So then your teammate, like, crappy passes. Love doing that. Um, and the other element that I really want to pull out that you, you do awesome is, like, you're rewarding good behavior. Too often do I hear coaches, especially when they call like the hero ball or the hero puck. We got to take our capes off. You got to stop doing this hero BS. <laughs> like, okay, that's great and all, but realistically, you should probably just, you know, praise them when they make the pass or they're working together or they're setting a pick for their teammates. Like, 
that's way more effective and longer lasting. And the kids will like you a lot better as well. So they'll actually try harder when they're like, oh, Johnny got praised for going hard to the net. Maybe I want to go hard to that now. You know, you know, just get just getting the guys excited. Oh, did you see Stevens hard to the net? Like that was awesome. Drew all the D and left the guy wide open in the slot. You know, all that kind of thing. Uh, you know, the other phrase that uh, often gets thrown around is um, what gets counted gets rewarded. So what, like, what are we counting? What are we isolating? Like, what are we looking to spotlight for the group? And just continually catch them in good behavior. That That's way more effective. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, reward, like those kind of rewards, uh, when we do video review, um, which I don't I haven't done a lot this season because I can tell my group isn't like we've tried and I don't know if you've ever done video with 12 year olds, but uh you have about eight it's, minutes it's a tap. <laughs> if you're lucky you have eight minutes. If I you're mean, lucky, yeah. You basically yeah. have like, all right, two minutes, do it and done. Maybe you can get one before, one after to make it four, but yeah, it's rough. Yeah, but I, I can remember a time last season where the only video clip I pulled was to praise somebody who never touched the puck on a huge goal that we scored. And it was a defenseman who was at the point and the puck had gone low and the other team had grabbed it and skated behind with tons of room and they had speed and they started coming up and my defenseman at the point just aggressively and hard skated over to the boards and just put himself right there. And before he even turned to start sitting backwards to like, to start playing defense, he skated over and that player looked up, saw him, and just was like and panicked and sent the puck back behind the net where we grabbed it, cycled it to the front and scored. Huge goal for us. That player never touched the puck. And so the whole they score, everyone's you know, everyone at the time, the parents, everybody, the hero of that game is that goal score. And so I I pulled that old, the one and only clip. It's called video review. We watched it together, and I said, This goal does not happen without this player. If he sees that player coming and just quickly backs out of the zone and starts playing defense into the zone, that player's coming out with the puck. If he looks over there and doesn't just haul over to the boards to make that play, that player's skating up further. And maybe then now they have a pass. They have, and I said, you know, this is, these are the kinds of plays that never get rewarded on the ice. Uh, I don't like, you know, in, in youth hockey, especially at, at, at uh, tournaments after the game, they'll do like a MVP of each team. And all it is is the person in the box going, they scored the most, they win it. Uh, they don't watch the game and watch the players. They're not watching who's doing what. They're just looking at that kid that scored the most goals. And if they already want it, look at the next kid that scored the most goals. And if no one scored the most goals, they just pick a name. They don't come ask the coaches like, "Hey, who do you want to who do you want to nominate?" They they just pick somebody, and so you end up having goalies with their heads down, and defensemen never win those things. And so, as a coach, I always feel it's super important to like really heap praise on those kinds of those players those those players that didn't touch the puck once but generated everything that started that. Uh, you know, you don't want to take anything away from the goal scorer. Of course, he still had to get the puck, control it, and put it in the net. But that player that's not going to end up on the score sheet, there's so many more valuable things that they can be praised for. And uh, as coaches, we need to make sure we're doing that because otherwise, 
what's the motivation to make that play again next time if you don't even know it made a difference? Yeah, and like I love praising the players that maybe aren't the best, where they put in maximum effort. Like always praise yep. effort, not outcomes. Like you praise outcomes, that's a bad slippery slope mm-hmm. uh, that too many people take. But if you're praising effort and like the smarts, like you know the defenseman sitting on the half wall, sitting on the passing option, for example, made all the difference. You know, they had to skate really hard to get there. Like, that's massive. I'm going to praise that all day, you know, even though they may normally get burned on a million other situations. Like, no, these players are putting in the effort. They're doing the right things that we want to see that actually lead to success. Um, And obviously, like, a perfect season, you're like 50-50 and every game is a one-goal game one way or the other. (laughs) You have a little bit of success, a little bit failure. You have nothing but success. I mean, that's poor for development as well. Like, you need that adversity. Like, you you talk about a lot of people who go to the highest of levels or even just, like, a higher level. Like, adversity is a positive thing. Like, it either spurred them to work harder or they realized, oh, I need to do something here differently. Or like, it's a reality check for a lot of folks. Like they actually tune in and like, I'm actually going to listen and take in coaching. Um, But if you never get that, you know, it's poor. So I I always recommend people, if you can find like the perfect schedule where like you're playing teams where they're going to beat you, you're going to beat them. And it's, you know, perfect 50, 50 split with nothing but one goal games. Like that's, that's ideal. Like you need the adversity in your life. It reminds me of the golf ball. Like the golf ball is not perfectly round. Like it's not perfectly round. It has dimples in it. Why is that? The imperfections actually create vortexes off the back of the golf ball. So it has less drag and it goes further. So we found this out because people who were maybe not rich enough to fix their golf ball back in the day to a perfect round circle again, were actually having better performance adversity. It's brilliant. (laughs) Yep. You know, you can, you can definitely like, so, uh, I took my team to Silver Stick in Michigan this last weekend. So the International Silver Stick Finals. And we were, uh, you know, if, if you if you pay attention at all to like myhockeyrankings.com or anything like that, we were pretty low on the list. Uh, coming from Southern California and playing teams from Ontario and the Michigan and Minnesota area. And we got the games we got worked pretty hard uh but i go back and watch the games on live barn after and what did i watch was some of us play the greatest hockey i've ever seen us play i went back to those kids and said forget the score play like that every single game because we played like the passes were what you'd want from them the the breakout was great our our zone entries our play in the zone we were being outgunned by teams that just had more games, more experience. But our play elevated as well. And I pointed out to all of them, we're coming back to Southern California to finish out our season. None of the teams we play are close to those teams we played that were from Ontario. And I said, but if we play every team that we have left, like we played those teams, we're going to be unstoppable. And... I started making that whole tournament knowing we weren't going to win silver stick, but as a team, we were going to be stronger because of it. And I, I, I could have cared less that we won or lost. I watching 
the level that they played because they saw the compete and they said, oh, wow, these teams are good. And they could, your players can only be as good as they are. They can't, they can't suddenly become AAA players overnight. But if they see that they're being pushed and they're willing to do the work, they'll do it right away and they'll push as hard as they can. And I watched an entire team of kids say, I'm not going to stand by and lose this game without a fight. And they fought through it. And I, I, re- I rewatched the tape twice just to be like, wow, like we really did play that well. These teams were just better. So of course they beat us, but we were in there. We were with them. And once I had those conversations with parents after they left Michigan with a different mindset, because I was like, have you ever seen your kid take the puck from our blue line and weave through and make it down to the other end and get a really quality shot on net? And it wasn't even a selfish play. It was the right play. He looked up, he saw a path, there was nowhere to go, and he took it. And I was like, they haven't done that all season. Yeah, against the best team we've ever played, they suddenly had the confidence to do it. I was like, look what happened when you when they met that. Like it was it was beautiful. It was perfect. And so I'm we're playing this weekend against a team from our local uh uh division. And I can't wait to play because I can't wait to see what they what they take from what they learned over these four games in Michigan. Yeah, like a lot of times people need to see like what is that next level look like? Yep. like it's hard if you can't see the pathway or the projection out to it's super difficult. Um, you're almost like blind in, in what you're going about and training, etc. I find that to be super valuable or just like even like you know if you may not have the the talent close to you, but at least look maybe to an older age group and just intermix players with older yep. players and younger players. Like it's good for both sides. Like teaching is a great way to learn a lot of things. <laughs> you have an older player teaching a younger player. They might be like, maybe I'm doing this wrong. Maybe there's a better technique way, etc. cetera. Um, you know, and you, it's, it's a constant like idea of like getting players into reflection. I mean, we've kind of been nailing it on the head here. Like, how do you create better learners? Like that's ultimately what we want to have, right? Like it's a learning game, athletic learning. How do we go about that? So reflection is the way that we actually make the most of our experiences. So um, I, I find that to be a big thing. Asking questions, obviously huge and just getting players to see things, you know, put them in uncomfortable environments where they've got to figure things out, like, you know, throw them in the deep end, as they say. So I think that's, yeah. it's absolutely massive. Some people love journaling. I'm not so much a journaler myself. I find that to be uh, a bit painful. Same. <laughs> to say the least. But, I mean, I think on things, uh, I just don't always write it down. But write, writing things down does help every once in a while. So, like, I've got, you know, some random notes. It'll, it'll be like five words, not full-blown sentences. Yeah. Oh, my hockey, note, my, my hockey notebook looks like the writings of a serial killer. It's got, like, diagrams and, like, just little bitty bits of plays I saw that I just want to kind of remember and a little note about like what I want to teach them. But, you know, it's, it's so bad because I remember walking into the locker room after one of our worst losses at Silver State. And I said, what'd you guys think of that game? And they were like, awful. Oh, terrible. And I just, I stopped and I went, what? I went, that was the hardest I've seen you all work all season. I, and I, I started just throwing praise at them. Yeah. There's I, obviously there was, mistakes here and there that we're going to fix i'll just bring those to practice why make them feel worse about them at, in the moment like they're not they can't do anything about the bad pass they can't do anything about you know throwing a puck to the net then it's too late what they can do 
is get reminded that they actually played really, really well, motivate them to come back the next day. And then when they show up to practice, I'm going to take all those things they need to work on and I'm going to put them in drills and they're going to get better at them just by doing them. They don't know half the stuff that I want them to learn to fix from Silver State. Some they'll, some they will because it's, it's something something they have to think about and be more aware of. Some of it's just all right, cool. We're going to work on our edge work, but we're going to work on our stops and starts. The, the I will say the number of times I saw us like miss a puck and then do a big circle to get back to it instead of just hitting the brakes and coming back. But how many how many times can you say? Starts and stops before it doesn't mean anything to them anymore. So throw it into a drill where they have to stop and start and come back and get the puck and do this. And suddenly they just start doing it naturally. Yeah. The closest you're ever going to be to a puck is as soon as you pass it. Maybe we hit the brakes. That's something that doesn't go away in amateur (laughs) hockey. Uh, Yeah. It's, It's almost a talent, almost a skill. To just be able to, oh yeah, I should probably stop right here and stop on the puck. Drives me nuts. Um, <laughs> awesome. So this got my list of items that we wanted to touch on. I know we're nearing time here. So anything you want to make sure that we we absolutely get on uh, the podcast here tonight? But yeah, this is fantastic conversation on two two youth coaches and amateur coaches. <laughs> riffing on the beauties of things that work and don't work and how, how we best go about our business. Yeah. You know, the, the biggest thing I would say, and I think we've pretty much touched on this throughout, but like the big overarching message. And I, I gathered this from a oh God, I want to, I want to say it's Mike Sullivan that I got it from. Uh, it, it was, it was in the book by Craig Constance uh, behind the bench. And it, it's something I always brought down is that, he had talked about practice being fun and uh, someone had said to him at one point, like, but these are, these are grown men playing for millions of dollars. And he said, but they're playing like they're fortunate. Yeah. They make all this money, but they don't, this isn't hard work. They work hard, but this isn't hard work. This isn't, this isn't labor in the same sense that we think about it. He said, they get, they're getting to play a game and it's my job as their coach to keep motivating them, but to make it fun. Every time they step on the ice, practice has to be fun. And if it has to be fun for a 30-year-old making $19 million, it needs to be fun for a 12-year-old or a 10-year-old who's doing it because this is something they just want to do. And so I see too many coaches suck the fun out of practice by making it this like painstaking process in which they learn through punishment or they learn by being told they're not working hard enough. Kids learn the best when they're smiling. Um, I had a practice not long ago where we it came off a really big loss. We got our butts kicked. We just and it was a team that should never beat us by that much. But you know, you have those days where you just you don't you don't perform. And that next practice, we ran some really fun drills. They worked super hard, but we were laughing. They were like they were having a great time. And I had a parent say to me that they shouldn't have been laughing. After that loss, they needed to learn a lesson. And I said, no, after that loss, they needed to learn. They needed to be reminded why they play this game. But then they needed the lesson they needed to learn was just how to play it better. And they're going to play it better if they want to be here. Yeah. When, when they have fun, they, they have a little more resilience. Like if you want to do something, yeah. it's, it's, and, it's uh, so much better. So, and it's okay to be, you know, having a fun time yourself. It's actually a goal that I tell a lot of the coaches that I mentor. I'm like, 
I want you to have fun behind the bench in next practice. Like, give it a shot. See how it goes. They're all smiling. There. Yeah. Maybe, maybe a joke. Yeah. Oh, I love, like, I, I watched, like, Pep Guardiola from Man City uh, in the Premier League, who was, like, when that, when that team scores, you would think he just put that ball in the net himself. He loses it. He has just as big celebration. I'm similar in my, like, when we score a goal, I am just as excited as that bench is because I want, like, I'm having fun. I want to be there. I am watching them play hockey and really enjoying it. I'm having a fun time coaching them. And when they score, I'm just as happy because I watched them accomplish something they've been working hard to do. And I watch coaches sometimes their team scores and they kind of just stand there and they nod or they smile. And I'm just like, no, like, live it with those kids because they feed off it. Our attitudes on the bench can dictate how they're doing. And uh, I have so much fun at practice. I, I will once, if I see a, a drill starting to lull, I'll jump in. I'm not, I'm not big on jumping into the drill and taking a, a, a space away from a kid. But if I think it's going to motivate them to work hard, they go, Oh God, coach is in here. They start working harder. They have fun. If they can knock me over or do something that they think is extra fun, like it just gets them going. And, uh, Every practice needs to be that way. And there are practices where they need to maybe learn something. If behavior is wrong, there is a, there is a time and a place to be a bit more stern or a bit more um, serious with them. But it doesn't mean you have to ruin the whole practice for it. You can get them in line and then like remind them, like if you guys are listening, this is going to be super fun. And if they snap back into place, start having fun again. Don't just be like, nope, now we're serious for the rest of practice. Because then they're just going to go through it and not get in trouble. Like no bag skates, no bag skates. We're going straight to small area games. That's how you recover. Yeah, we're going, we're going right to it. Like, yeah, you know what? Like the biggest punishment I get is, Hey, we're going to play that game. You guys love at the end, but we're just going to run these drills through. And they're like, Oh man. And I'm like, you got to earn it. You got to earn it. And then they go, you're right, coach. You're right, coach. And then the next practice, they're like, we, they want to do it. And so, you know, you can find those little ways to balance out how to hold them accountable because they are, they also need to learn life lessons. There is accountability to be had. They do have to behave. They do have to, you know, meet certain sort of levels, but they're kids and even the adults, like it's a game and they are fortunate to play it, but it needs to be fun. And as a fan of watching NHL, if those guys aren't having fun out there, it's not that fun to watch. Yeah. When they're, when they're going through and you can just see the adrenaline going through, they're having fun. I mean, th- those are the favorite. Yeah, it's my favorite players to watch too. So we're all having fun here. This is why we do this. It's it's great. We'll do life lessons through it as well. But uh, 99% of the time, let's all, let's all have, crack a smile. It's okay. <laughs> It'll be okay. I promise. Awesome. Dan, thanks so much for coming on. This was delightful. Yeah, thank you. That concludes this week's episode. Thanks for joining us here at Hockey IQ. If you haven't already, take a quick moment to hit that subscribe button, give us a thumbs up, and drop a review. If you want to be a great teammate, even recommend us to a friend. You can follow us at Hockey's Arsenal on Twitter and Instagram. Check out the website, hockeysarsenal.com, where you can subscribe to the weekly newsletter. You won't regret it. Catch a Buttes here next week for a brand new episode.